The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hi, this is Aaliyah from Tyrell Corp, and I will be asking you a few questions. Okay. Is everyone at the office doing this, or is it just me? Um, people who we have suspicions about. Um, what? Suspicion? We're just, what kind of suspicions? We're just auditing Seeker. This is like a standard thing to make sure there's no replicants working here. Oh my god, are you serious? And yeah, I am serious. And I will have you know reaction time is a factor here, so make sure you answer these questions as quickly as you can. Okay, no problem. Nothing to hide. Okay, uh, here we go then. Uh, question one. You're at a football game and everyone is sitting upside down, but you haven't moved in roughly three days. Why is that? Uh, because I'm watching the game. <laughs> okay, yeah, sure. It's not a good, Wait, what? It's not a good answer. It's a bad sign. Um, okay. All right. Question two, I guess. Wait, I have it. more questions here. Why were they sitting? What do you mean sitting upside down? They were sitting upside down on the bleachers. But you, you haven't moved in three days. Why is that? But you already Has answered. everyone else moved? Because you were watching the game? Is that what your answer was? I Yeah, I don't know. I just, that's what okay, I... Okay, you haven't moved in three days because a football game lasts three days and that's why you were there. That's, oh. you don't know anything about it. I didn't even... Uh, next question. Okay. Um, let's see. You are at the beach and suddenly a rainfall of roughly 30 jellyfish floods the beach. What do you do in this scenario? Wait, a rainfall? What does that mean? Yeah, like uh, instead of rain, it's jellyfish. Instead of rain, it's jellyfish? And the question is, what do I do? Yes. I would try to avoid them so I don't get hit by a jellyfish. Okay, but you wouldn't save anyone else. That's really interesting. You didn't say there was anybody else there even. There's a bunch of, there's a school. There's a kindergarten. I didn't know there was a school around, a kindergarten kids. (laughs) Just kindergarteners. Yeah, it's a school of kindergartners. Okay, well, if there was kindergartners around, I would save them. It's like a magnet school, so they're probably slated to go to Ivy Leagues. And oh my god. Yeah, okay. but that's interesting. And they're allergic to jellyfish. I didn't know any of that stuff. That's really crazy. I, it sounded like I was alone on a beach. Question how you three. Made it sound. Question three. Okay. Your cat, you can no longer speak to it telepathically as you did before. How do you communicate with her from now on? I meowing, I guess. I would meow at the cat verbally. Okay, that's not even a human thing to do. Well, it's a cat thing to that's do. That's not... Oh, all of a sudden you're an expert about cats. No, I'm not saying I'm an expert. I'm Mm -hmm. just saying... Okay, final question. Are you ready for this? And speed is a factor again. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Can't Um, wait for it to be over. Okay, so you're walking down the street and your shoe becomes untied. You lean down to uh, tie it back up and how many many girlfriends have you had? (laughs) What? Wait a minute. Speed is a factor here, so you're going to have to... I've, I've had three. Mm-hmm. And have they all broken up with you? <laughs> Wait a minute. That's not Speed fair. Speed is a factor here. I've, I mean, yeah, I've, okay, I've get broken up with. Yeah. Okay. And that's just like a, why is that? Do you have a sort of... <laughs> I don't know if I want to discuss it with you. I don't know you. But like, would you like to get to know me? Just like if we were to hang out like after this or something? I, I'm not sure. I mean, you seem nice, but this has been a little uh, frustrating. And, and you know, you're So you're prying. not sure or yes, that you would want to hang out with I'm going to say no. Okay. That's the most replicant thing I've ever heard. I'm, what? I'm a perfect package and anyone would be lucky to have me, even though oh my I'm God. focusing on myself right now. And I'm not even looking for that. Um, so... <laughs> I'm going to have to end this. Um, okay, I'm going to have to end this interview, and um, you're, I'm going to mark down that you're a replicant, so you'll, no, never work a day, do- you'll never work a day here again. So. Bad science. Did the movie get it right? Bad science. Or will we have to fight? Bad, 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 bad science. What's up? How's everybody doing? We are here recording live at Nightlife here at the California Academy of Science. Give it up. San Francisco. We're covered with a bunch of uh, dead animals who used to be alive, uh, so I'm told. 
I'm sure when the people put together this museum, they were like, I hope one day there's a comedy podcast in this pavilion. Yes, making fun of our deceased friends <laughs> all around us. Well, some are alive. We have some yeah. live penguins. Which I hear they're tired. Um, so we'll see. The real test will be, will they stay awake the entire podcast? Yeah, let's find out. Can we keep out. penguins entertained? If you're standing time. over there, just let us know periodically if the penguins are falling asleep or if they're still into... Okay, so far, we're good. Now, the big thing that people don't know is penguins are huge Ridley Scott fans. Huge! Um, they specifically like his work with Russell Crowe. Yep. Uh, Gladiator. <laughs> a lot of penguins in Gladiator. A lot of extras were actually penguins. People don't know that. Uh, let me like introduce... Tuscan Sun. Tuscan Sun, oddly, is their favorite Ridley Scott movie. They love Tuscan Sun. It makes romantic, no sense. Uh, romantic dramedy. Yeah. Yeah, it's very weird. So we, I'm going to introduce our guest here. I want you guys to give a big round of applause for a bioengineering postdoctoral scholar at UC Berkeley. It's Dr. Kathy Way. Hello, everyone. Woo. Kathy, sing him a tune. I said sing him a tune, but you don't have to do that. Unnecessary. <laughs> um, you, of course, know our other guest here from Veep and The League and his podcast, How Did This Get Made? It's Paul Shear, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, thanks so much. Thank you, everybody. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here to talk about science and blade running. That's right. Uh, an accurate science. If you're on a date tonight and it's going bad, come over here because it's an hour in which you don't have to talk to that person. That's right. Just move over here. The date will pass. One hour will pass. You'll feel better. You can go your separate ways. The strong and silent type always wins. It doesn't matter. Male, female, if you're quiet, they're into it. It's mysterious. <laughs> so I want to ask you guys about Blade Runner. I want to ask you when you first saw it, what was your experience with the film and and how has it maybe grown on you since that time? Kathy! <laughs> um, when I first saw Blade Runner, I think, as a scientist, my first question is like, okay, so what exactly are the replicants? Are they robots? Are they animals? Are they some mix? And if they're robots, why can't we just put them through a metal detector? Like, uh... <laughs> Great call. Maybe they're not, maybe they don't have metal in them? Does that well, make I sense? mean, the Jared Leto is body farming in the second one. I don't know if we can reference the second one. They're just not falling allowed. out of plastic bags. They're like, like sous vide, right? Like, like, yeah. like it's like, you know, flump, flump, like just bodies are just coming out in a goo. Yeah, so probably not much metal in the sack. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but very good point. And I'm not sure about that. So, wait, did you enjoy Blade Runner? Yeah, I thought it was great. I thought like the idea of having kind of artificial humans is something, you know, people are already working on for organs, for, you know, uh, understanding biology. So I think that it would be kind of interesting. And at least in the original, the idea was that, you know, you have these extra strong humans that go to off-world planets to presumably do like heavy work and mining and lifting where you wouldn't slave want to robot engage. labor let it be on the record kathy <laughs> likes slave robots yep that's what i heard hey as long as they're useful right <laughs> <laughs> okay and you watched it recently so if i make some specific uh, references you'll know what's going on here certainly okay she's on board paul I did not like Blade Runner the first time I saw it. I was like, Han Solo's in this movie, and it's so slow, and it's so boring, not for me. Yep. And then I watched it again as a little bit older of a person, when my taste had kind of evolved, and I was like, oh my god, this movie is wonderful and beautiful and so well done, and there's like nine versions of it. Right. So I can't even tell you what version I saw when I thought that, but um, I recently... Uh, before I saw the new Blade Runner, watched uh, the first Blade Runner the way it was meant to be, I guess. And it's just fantastic. And I actually think that both of them fit together really perfectly. I know the second one got a little bit of flack, but on rewatchability, it, it, it's really great. I think they're both uh, really interesting, cool sci-fi along the line of like a movie like Moon. I feel like that's another sure. great movie about bodies and, and coming out of places and uh, yeah Absolutely. I judge all my movies by where the bodies come out <laughs> where are the bodies if bodies come out of weird places you're a fan yeah I'm in <laughs> okay I, yeah. see, I see bodies every day I want to see where they're coming from there there is a there is a bit of controversy what about you what about me 
When was the first time you saw it? I saw Blade Runner first, maybe like 10 years ago. Okay. And I saw the original 1982 release. The one where he drives off at the end, they use shining footage. The footage from The Shining where Jack Torrance is like driving the lodge. And it's (laughs) like, he's like, oh, that was a crazy day. I'm Harrison Ford, and (laughs) that's my Blade Runner story. (laughs) Bye-bye. Everything's fine. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's how I saw it first. But it's, so in that version, you have VO, and you have, yeah, like a very film noir-esque uh, narration to the whole thing and I did and I also thought it was very slow and did not enjoy the film very much and then re-watched it recently liked it more I saw the Ridley Scott 2007 yeah uh, I want to make some more money so I just added two shots to it version <laughs> yes yeah. exactly which is somehow different than the 1992 Ridley yeah. Scott version it's uh, the official official Ridley Scott version this time I color corrected something yeah a few shots are different. Uh, but, uh, no, I honestly don't know the difference. But I, I like the movie a lot more without the VO. Yes. And, uh, and the more mysterious ending where you're not sure if he's a replicant or not. By the way, obviously, you guys are getting spoilers here. So if you haven't seen Blade Runner, I don't know. You're fucked. Um, there's nothing we can do about that. You're already here. We're also going to spoil Marvel Infinity War. Yep. All right, so this is what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get down to it. <laughs> you guys seen The Sixth Sense? You're not going to believe this. Um, so, yeah, I, I like the film, but I did think it was slow. Apparently, the first cut ran four hours, uh, which I can't imagine how slow that must have been. Well, yeah, I mean, oof. Um, that we'll eventually get that cut in about four more years yeah. when the next like Ridley Scott movie does mediocre. There you go. Let's re- release another one. Um, I did want to, you know, there was something interesting I read about it too. You know, Harrison Ford plays a detective in it in a very, it was supposed to be very noir-esque, yes, right? Yes, a drunk-ass detective. Right, and they wanted him to wear like a traditional kind of detective hat, like a fedora. Right. But because he wears it as Indiana Jones, he kind of refused to do it. He's like, what about this? I'll just cut my hair really weird. Yeah. And they're like, okay, done. That's a good compromise. The middle ground was weird haircut. Yeah, future haircut. <laughs> yeah, and that worked. It did. Yeah, they did. It was did very it, uh... George Clooney first season of uh, ER. Right. Uh, so let's do a quick, just in case you guys haven't seen it, a very quick synopsis of Blade Runner. You got it. Okay, so... Harrison Ford plays a character named Decker. Decker. And he... Deckard? Deckard. Big fan over here. Big Decker fan. Too much so, sir. Christ. And, uh, no, so this guy is a Blade Runner, which is like a cop, and he's trying to get some replicants who are, I don't know what exactly, escaped something or other. Well, basically what his job is to do is to hunt down, uh... Like rogue replicants, replicants replicants. who are posing a threat. Like their programming has gone bad. They've gone off the slave tip, and (laughs) they want to live a life. And and the government's like, no, we can't let these people be happy. You must kill them. Right. And he's like, on it. (laughs) (laughs) And so he starts to hunt them down out of retirement because, of course, you know, any good detective is retired. Yeah. So you have to get that. You have to convince them to come back and go hunting. And so as he does this, he meets, like, the most advanced replicant, who is this woman, Rachel, and, of course, they develop some sort of uh, love relationship. Well, yeah, he, like, he needs to find these replicants, and so the the person, Tyrell, who owns this company that makes replicants, is like, hey, before you go find it, let's make sure that this tech works. And they have this weird little machine, and they go in there, and he's like, test this woman. Mm-hmm. It's the, and then he finds out she is a replicant, but it was really hard for him to figure it out. It took 100 questions. Right, and then, and then she's like, oh, my God, I'm a replicant. So she's having, like, a crisis of faith. Yes, and I wanted to talk about that yeah. for one second, actually, because... Decker's supposed to be our hero in this movie. We're supposed to be on his side yes. and, you know, rooting for him. And he's kind of a huge asshole. He's <laughs> drunk throughout the film. He's always drinking, yeah. uh, even though he doesn't really show it in his actions, but he's always drinking. And then when, when she's finding out that her memories are bullshit and her whole life is not what she thought it was, he's very cold about the whole thing. He's telling her... Because he's a replicant. Because, oh, I see what you're saying. So yeah. he's, he has no emotion, you're saying? Just saying it's a little bit, you know, they didn't fully bake that guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll leave that as it may. Uh, I also wanted to uh, talk about something within their relationship that was a little controversial, and I think, Brett, uh, we have something to, to... Decker is supposed to be the hero 
Buddy, won't let that lady leave his apartment. <laughs> they are... Uh, so he's drunk. He's passed out in this one scene I'm talking yes. about. She's playing the piano. Also, by the way, he's playing piano at one point. He's passed out on the piano, and it has a really clear shot of the sheet music. And as a musician, I can tell you, the music is very complex. He must be a excellent pianist. Because he's a replicant. Ooh, once again, more evidence. <laughs> I love this. Um, so anyways, I've never passed out practicing scales. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck. He must have been really drunk. But anyways, so in this other scene, she starts playing the piano and he's really drunk, passed out. He gets up and like almost knocks over the bottle, they show. And then he comes over to her. They have a very brief conversation about playing the piano and he says, you play beautifully. She played like two chords. And then he, he forces himself on her. He starts kissing her sure. on the cheek and on the neck, and she, like, panics and starts to leave. She goes for the door. He slams the door closed and then pushes her against a wall, but kind of does both. Like, pushes her, but also has his hands like this. Right. Like, I'm not, hey, I'm yeah. not pushing you, but... I'm pushing you, <laughs> Who for sure. Who pushed you? Not me. I, I didn't do it. But <laughs> ghost. A ghost. It must have been. I don't know. Uh, so he pushes her up against the wall and then, like, stares at her really intensely and says, say, kiss me. And she says, kiss me. And then he kisses her. And I don't know. I felt like that's another moment where I'm not rooting for this guy. Definitely a... Where, yeah, kind of rapey, as someone said in the audience. Yeah, I <laughs> would say I would say pass past the point of kind of, just to <laughs> take that kind of out of the equation. Like if you did that, that's not cool on any level. Not yeah. cool. Very rapey. Very rapey, yeah. Yes, uh, our associate producer here. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, so that was. Just I was feel like here's the thing. Like yep. in these movies, like these classic. Uh, you know, Raymond Chandler, Dashiell Hamlet, uh, Hamlet, not Ham, uh, not Hamlet, Dashiell Hamlet. I uh, know uh, these kind of classic noir detective things. They're supposed to be damaged people. They're not good sure. people. Like, right. I think the idea is that they're always flawed on some level, and yeah. so I think that's the way to show it. And but they don't push it. But yet it's not cool either. But not I also cool. think here's my thought, like Kathy. He's saying, look, you're just a replicant. I can do whatever I want to you. You're not a human. I wouldn't pull this on a human. You need to do, like, labor. That's your deal. Right. So I can, like, have my way with you because you're just a thing. It's like the way that we treat our Alexas and Siri's. By the way, if you're listening on your Alexa and Siri right now, Alexa, order diapers. Um, so It's the most expensive thing you could think of to, to screw them over. It's not that bad. Order air humidifier. Yeah, now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> Order Tesla. Uh, like, it's that easy. Um, okay, so, so yeah. Alexa, that was... play Beverly Hills Cop theme. <laughs> You're welcome, whoever's listening. Uh, no, but don't you think, I think that that's part of his thing. Is like He's like, You're less than me. I can do whatever I want. You're just a toy. Yes, and, but. Yeah. Oh, go well, ahead. Well, maybe like Alexa, he's just testing it out. He's like, Okay. Um, Say, kiss me, like, <laughs> right. Alexa, say, kiss me. Yeah, trying yeah. it out. See how far he can push because the Because we treat technology poorly. We all do. I mean, yeah. and, like, I know that when my Alexa, uh, I won't I'll stop saying it because I'm sure people who are listening to this on an Alexa. Uh, um, when I say that a name, if they don't hear you the first time, they're like, hey, off. Oh, like you get mad at it. It's, like, right. it's not, because there's not a person in there, and you can kind of, you know, I can yell at my S word on my phone and go like, like I want to say because I want to set up people's phones when they're listening. I would love to see if that happens, but you do you. I have experience. It does happen. <laughs> All right, my bad. Hey, Siri, get me directions to the California Arts and Science Museum. Um, is that where we're at? Uh, California Academy of Science, he okay. said. <laughs> Nailed it. Um... But no, that's why I think it's kind of, uh, I don't know, I think it's a little bit truthful. Um, okay, so I want to uh, play a game, not that we need to break the ice, but to sort of break the ice here. Uh, and I'm calling this game, is this a Nexus 6 or a Nexus 6 or a Lexus six-seater SUV? Is this a Nexus 6 or a Nexus 6? Or a Lexus Exeter SUV. Hold up, I just realized we're sitting underneath an animal. 
while that song was playing, I looked up into the sky, and there's some sort of a leopard above us. It's a perfect time to see on, that. Uh, ready to pounce on us. Yeah, they told me that was alive at some point, right? That's not like some fake... Okay, so here's the game. There's a... The Nexus 6 is the name of the line of robots in Blade Runner. Yes. However, Nexus 6 is also a real-life phablet, it's called, which is like a phone and a tablet combined, made by Google, Android, something or other. So that's that Nexus 6, phablet. Siri, order phablets. <laughs> Multiple phablets. And then there's a Lexus six-seater SUV. We all know what that is. Right. Okay, I'm going to read descriptions of one of these three, and you will both guess what I'm talking about. Right. Okay. Do we buzz in? Uh, sure. Okay. Use your buzzers. Uh, the code name, Shamu. Yep. I am going to say that that is a Lexus 6. Okay, Kathy? I agree, Lexus 6. It is the phablet. Ah! It is the Nexus 6. Google, you guys can get one. Anybody have one? Anybody have a Nexus 6? Not popular. <laughs> At all. Okay. Leading edge performance technologies. Where did I get that? Leading edge performance technology. That's right. Gonna go with the, the Lexus again. Okay. I am going to go with the Nexus 6. Which one? Oh, the Phablet robot. or the? The, the person. It is the Lexus six-seater SUV. Ah, got one. And the winner of this gets a Lexus six-seater SUV. Whoa. Oh, yes. So keep that in mind. A lot of Kathy fans here tonight. One penguin is still awake. Okay. <laughs> yeah, keep an eye on it, guys. Don't pay attention to the show if you're sitting over there. I need updates on that. Okay. Peace of mind, convenience, and entertainment are always within reach. I would, can I, I would, I would say that's the phablet. Okay. Once again, the Lexus. She's right, guys. It's the Lexus 16 SUV. Kathy killing it. Superior speed and intelligence. I'm just going to cheat off of Kathy. What are you going to say, Kathy? <laughs> We're back in high school. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Lexus. Okay. I'm going to go with the Lexus. Wrong. It ah. is the Nexus 6 uh, robot. Superior speed and intelligence. They were happy about that. Okay. Powered by a 2.7 gigahertz quad-core Snapdragon 805 processor. Fablet. Definitely the Fablet. She, they're both right, guys. Fablet. Now nobody's happy about it? Okay. No, you're right. This is a real Lexus audience. I mean, they, want, right, yeah. they want that Lexus to be in here. <laughs> Brett, throw up a picture of a Lexus. They're going to love it. Uh, okay. Sometimes referred to by the, the slur, skin job. Oh. I'm going to say that's the replicant. If I keep saying the Lexus, do I actually get one? I don't know. I mean, they love it when you say it, so... <laughs> All right, Lexus it is. <laughs> By the way, I want it. I know it's not true, but I want them to refer to a Lexus as a skin job. Yeah. <laughs> the new Lexus the skin job. The state-of-the-art skin job. <laughs> Sits, seat six with four doors. <laughs> it's a great old skin job. All-terrain skin job. Uh, no, it is the replicant Nexus 6. You okay. can get <laughs> Last one, applying artificial intelligence to a global legal database. Legal, you said? Audience is, con audience is confused? Yes, a global legal skin database. <laughs> now the audience is getting into it. Yeah. The rosé is kicking in. Yep. Um, what are you going to say, Kathy? I'm just going to keep saying Lexus. Okay. And what? say it one more time. <laughs> Applying Lexus. artificial intelligence to a global legal database. I got to say that that's a, that's a skin job right there. This is a trick question. It's actually LexusNexus.com. Oh. They, uh, you knew this? Holy crap. Somebody give her a prize. Yeah, this is San Francisco. These are no slouches here. These are all smart people, okay? Yeah, they use websites for law. Honestly, I'm going to be completely straight with you. I don't even know what this website does. I know what LexusNexus does. They help lawyers win cases, it said on their site. I don't know what that means. All right, give it up for them playing the game. It's fantastic. Anyways, uh, how are we doing on time? Am I late? Are we okay? We're okay. The penguins are still up. One just got up. They really <laughs> like the Lexus Nexus stuff. They're in. Okay, I have, 
I had a I had a comment on how slow the movie was. So, did you feel the movie was slow at all? By the way, did you enjoy the pace? Um, so I don't know. When I watch movies, I want to relax, so I don't really like action movies as Ooh. much. So you know, get a relax. It's like perfect it for you. Yeah, I, I feel like there's something interesting about movies like this, and I feel this way with 2001 too. You have to kind of like sit back, relax, and it's sort of like you're just existing within a world. And once you make peace with that, you're fine. Like, yeah. you know, you can't expect action. Like, I just saw the new Mission Impossible movie, which is great. But, like... Fallout in theaters Fallout. Now. Go see it. So good. Uh, but, uh, but I feel like that's what we're kind of predetermined to like. Like, boom, 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 boom. Right. And this is sort of like, boom. And then it echoes. Like, the way that you throw a stone in a pond is like, we're just going <laughs> to wow. wait until that ripple totally fades out. Then we'll pick up a stone. We'll look at it. Toss another one in, and that, like, that becomes the movie. It's a very, like, everything is deliberate and It's a beautiful slow. way to yeah. think about it. I really yeah. like that. And then Roy goes crazy at the end, takes his shirt off, starts chasing Decker, and to me, just, like, converted into a horror movie all of a sudden. And he, like, puts a nail through his hand, and I wasn't sure very why that... Very Christ-like. Yeah, very Christ-like, and I just wasn't sure why that happened either. It seemed, uh, I don't know, just for, like, shock value, maybe. Um, I think maybe there he, he's trying to get his adrenaline going, right? So maybe he knows oh. just enough biology to realize that if he can get his adrenaline and his hormones going, it'll keep him alive for a little bit longer. Because I think right before he puts the nail through his hand, it, he, he can't control it anymore. It's like starting to seize up. Okay. And he's, he's trying to like give himself a boost to yeah. keep going for at least like 15, 20 more minutes. I mean, yeah, he's having a good time. Here's what I'll say. Rucker Hauer is essentially leading the replicants out of this slave existence, yep. right? He's saying, like, you got to come to the other side. Don't, you know, serve Kathy and her robot needs on other planets where they're doing all these things for you. No, he's like, he's telling I'm them, like, nice. you need to wake up, people. You know, he's the Oprah of the replicants being like, come on, we deserve better. And what he's trying to do in that moment, I think, is wake up Decker. And so what I think he's trying to do there is to challenge him and, and bring him to the point where he will realize, oh, I am one of these things. So I think everything that he's doing in that fight scene is to kind of get Decker to come out because he could tell him, but the only way that Decker will believe it is if he sees it in himself. I love that. And that actually makes more sense for the ending when he saves his life. Yes. Because if not, it was also like a weird thing that yeah. he's like trying to kill him, but then he saves him. But this... I totally buy, and I totally dig. Although there was a lot of controversy because a lot of people think that Decker is a human. Right. And so... Including Harrison Ford. Including Harrison Ford. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know where all of you stand on that. We'll talk after. Uh, but yeah, I thought that Individually, was... Individually, for 15 minutes, for we'll 15, talk to all of you. Each one of you. We're going to be here till 5 in the morning. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I thought that was a bit strange, but I guess... Did you, did, you, did you come down on one side or the other? Did you think he was human or if he was a replicant? That's an interesting question. Um, you know, I honestly think that he's human because I think he believes he's human. And one of the interesting things about this movie is the replicants all end up knowing that they aren't real. Right. And I think he never doubts it. So I think he's well, human. Well, here's my question to you, Kathy, and this is where it gets into your science. Oh, this is getting heated, If guys. you think you're human, are you human? Ooh. Ooh. Oh, shit. Um, if you create something that believes they are what they are, are they? Not necessarily. Okay. okay. See, it, it, you know, I don't know what the Tyrell Corporation did. I mean, they have serial numbers on, on you know, snake parts and everything. But um, one thing you can do is if you're designing an organism from scratch, you can actually embed in their DNA basically a, a barcode or some sort of sequence that you know is synthetic that you put in there. And so then it's pretty easy to tell, actually. You just sequence it and see if Well, but that's how, like, that's how Decker was able to kind of figure out, like, you know, that, uh, that the, the secretary, I'm forgetting her name right now, um, with, but uh, the main, yes, his love interest, Kiss uh, Rachel. Woman, Rachel, is a uh, replicant because he knows what files, it, when she's like, no, this is a picture of me and my family. He's like, no, here's the original picture. You know, and then, and that's how Edward James, almost my favorite character in the whole movie, is like, origami unicorn, bro. You know, like, they know, like, you know, like that, they, they, they are implanting these memories in them. Like, so they are able to tell, but the only way they're able to, the only way that other people, they don't know, but other people can find out about them. I guess the same way with DNA. 
Yeah, that's true. But um, now with DNA testing, right, you can test yourself. You could right. pick it up yourself. So okay, so so if Decker went to like a 23andMe, <laughs> he would have no problem. He should have just been like, hold on, boop, boop, boop. <laughs> and then wait six weeks. And yeah. and they wait, they they spend that whole six weeks in a really long sequence, 15 minutes. <laughs> One of these results. Uh, Mongolia. Zoom out. Interesting. Mongolia. <laughs> Italy. Hmm, German robot. Oh yeah. Okay. Great. <laughs> Got it. No, um, I think that's a good point because you know maybe Decker doesn't want to know. Just like with DNA testing, like you are given an option on whether or want whether or not you want to look at the scary results. So maybe. You know, he it's took true. the test, but then he didn't actually fill out the answer sheet to... Well, I mean... he doesn't want to know. I would all go, I'd go one step further, and I mean, maybe this is a conversation that's a little bit too much to have right now, but identity is, is a big question for a lot of people right now. What you identify with is what you are allowed to say. Like, this is me. It's like, and I think that that's an interesting point of view, and especially, I think, if we get into, you know, engineered human beings, whatever they believe they are... Why aren't they allowed to have that same option as we? Yeah, no, it's a good point. I mean, I, it, you know, to, to segue a little into actually what you study and do, I think it's, a, it's very interesting what we're now, because like people can customize their kids and like their eye color. I did it. And you customize your kid? Yeah, both of them have uh, raptor tails. <laughs> So cool. Everything else normal. Uh, well, and they both have cat eyes. But I mean, besides that, it, totally normal kids. Okay, interesting, uh, interesting move there. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, do you guys think that's okay or I don't know, moral to to you know adjust what's because obviously for like diseases, it's probably a good move. You don't want your kids to have diseases, so you want to customize their DNA or whatever. But what I mean, I, I don't know. I've I've read that people are doing like eye color and, and uh, height and, I don't know, weird stuff. Yeah. I want an eight-footer. An eight-footer with blonde eyes. Blonde, blonde eyes. eyes. <laughs> I think... Um, I'll pay whatever it costs. <laughs> you know, with nope. these features like eye color, hair color, height, nobody's going to really doubt that what comes out is, is human, right? The, the strange things would be, for example, like, well, what if you did have, say, lizard DNA in your kid because you wanted them to have scales or something. Yeah. Does that now make them not human? Like, what percentage of your genome has to be not human in order to no longer be right. that creature? So you can say people with, say, artificial hearts, or um, especially if they get a transplant from an animal, like, part of them is not human, but we would say that overall they are. I mean, that's why I walked out of that Christian Slater movie, Untamed Heart. I was like, he's not a human, he's an animal. And who are you yelling at? Uh, the screen, mostly. <laughs> um, okay. No, but it's interesting. Yeah, I agree. Like, I mean, you're right. Like, I think they're not, they are engineered, but they are still from organic human tissue. They're, they're not... You, we're we're messing around with what we got. It's almost like it's almost like an order from Fresh Direct. I hope they're the, one of your sponsors. Like you're using all their ingredients, but you can make whatever you want with it. You can also you can make a regular quesadilla, but you can maybe also make like a Mexican pizza. What's the difference? You just Up to put you. the quesadilla the outside in. That's all you do. But uh, you know what I'm saying? It's like so you're using the same parts, but it's like but but you're not saying I'm going to take a piece of cardboard. And then make my food. Right, yeah, or make that cardboard I break human. down science like Bill Nye. Watch me. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they're here. Um, so so uh, you, Kathy, uh, are dealing with microscopic mini machines. Is this correct? Uh, that's correct. That um, sounds like a sci-fi. This is like nana, like nanites or whatever. Uh, not quite nanites. So when I think about mini microscopic machines, I'm thinking about uh, protein and RNA and DNA-based machines because naturally in our bodies, these molecules actually, you know, they have shapes, they have functions, they come together, they move together, just like macroscale machines would do. Can I ask you one question? Because I just can you tell me the difference between RNA and DNA? Whenever I'm doing the New York Times crossword, I always never, I never get it right, and I don't know if I do know the difference. I know DNA, but can you like just tell me like what's the difference between those two? Actually, there is only a very, very small difference between the two chemically, but functionally, the difference is that the DNA is pretty much permanent in your cells. Like okay. they are 
the library that your cell goes to to figure out what it's capable of. Got and it. the RNA is kind of like, you know, it, it's like you, you bring in a, your, your iPhone and you, you, t you take a picture of the page. So, okay. so that would be your RNA. It's like okay. a temporary copy just to help you figure out the rest. Got it. It's like a cheat sheet that you bring with you when you're taking a test. It's like, all right, I got this. Yes, yes. The and, and then you forget in like got 10 okay. minutes. And the DNA is the test? I think DNA is your textbook, right? That this is what you're referencing. Put it in quesadilla terms. What's the... <laughs> yeah, yeah. That'll help out. All right, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just, I just wanted to know the difference. All right. Uh, no, fine. Um, so what I've done for, for my PhD and my postdoc work is um, work with RNA and protein molecules to try and actually engineer them to be a particular shape and for a particular function. Um, so one analogy that a friend of mine came up with is when you make a paper airplane, for example, the function of that airplane is to fly, but the reason it flies is because of its shape, right? And you get that shape from folding a piece of paper. And so you can kind of use this analogy with proteins and RNA where you're trying to get them to fold into a particular shape so that they will have a particular function. Um, but unfortunately, Getting them to actually fold exactly as you would like is pretty difficult if anybody has done origami. Ideally, like, are you working on one thing to do one? Like, are you trying to have one function? Like you said, a paper airplane is to fly. What are you trying to make? Uh, so what I'm most interested in is building up the tool set, right? Because we can, say, shape wood or shape paper pretty much however we want. And from there, it's just a matter of imagination to figure out what kind of functions we want from it. Um, in terms of protein folding and RNA folding, we can't really control that process yet. And so what I'm interested in is figuring out how exactly to control that process, and that way we can build on top of it. And of course, there are a lot of other scientists working on the kind of other end backwards, where they have a specific function. So for a disease, for example, they know, you know this particular protein is broken and doesn't do the motion it does. So how do we fix it to restore the function? So you can also go from that approach. And you're, and you're working to try and stop cancers or cure cancers or? Uh, yeah, so one of the things I work on is looking at the interface between a macrophage, which is an immune cell that will eat foreign things in your body. And what was it um, called, sorry? A macrophage. Macrophage? macrophage? Macro as in large and phage as in eater. So it's, it's literally <laughs> a big eater. Macrophage. Um, but one of the great things about these cells is if they see an antibody, which is a common cancer therapeutic, they'll actually recognize that thing that's coded in antibodies as foreign and as an enemy. And so they can actually eat cancer cells. Wow. Um, but of course, cancer cells have figured out ways to say, you know, don't eat me with molecular signals. And so what I'm working on is knowing that this is the case. How do we look at the proteins, look at the molecules and figure out how to pull them out or pull them away so or there's hide like a, them. There's like a whole war going on in a body here. This is like Osmosis Jones too. <laughs> like you got these, like, you know, the cancer cells are like, ah, I'm no cancer cell, I'm just a cool cell. And then Absolutely. like, you know, the, the nanites are like, uh, no, you're not. Like, so you're, you're, that's pretty amazing. I mean, and like, would the idea be that someone would, if they are diagnosed with a cancer, would have these injected in them until the cancer's gone or for the rest of their life because to keep them at bay? So it would be something that would be used along with antibodies currently. That's the, the thought at least. And in that case, you know, you treat with the antibodies until at least you get remission and then it just depends on, you know, if the cancer is going to come back or not. Do you think that we'll be able to cure cancer in our lifetime? Probably not in our lifetime, but oh, you guys so much. we're getting there. And the, and the penguins are asleep. <laughs> no, they're dead. They just bummed them out. No, no, no. But yeah, no. One is killing himself but no, right That's now. actually interesting, because I always feel like people go, like, in our lifetime, we're going to find life in space. But this is probably a more realistic point of view. In our lifetime, probably not. Yeah, I mean, I think it depends a lot on the specific type of cancer. And I'm not a cancer expert, so please sure. don't quote me on this. Um, but... There are certain cancers that we understand much better than others because they're caused by very kind of specific gene breaks that always happen in, at that place in these types of cells. And with new technology like um, the CRISPR-Cas9 system, 
we do actually have the opportunity to start curing those by actually going into cells and cutting and pasting the DNA and actually repairing the mistakes in our genes. And that kind of technology will be able to cure certain types of cancers. What do you think about the people who have this CRISPR technology? They are selling it, right? People can like, do stuff at home. I've, like, this is crazy to me. So can you explain what CRISPR technology is and then talk to me about what these idiots are doing at home with the CRISPR technology? <laughs> I'm not really sure what they're doing at home, but if they can get it to work, then yeah, like, I feel good like for them. Guy, like, I, saw, it was, I, I feel like I saw some doc on it, or maybe it was John Oliver. It was like, they're basically like, these people are like, like getting these kits at home and trying to like inject themselves with their like new, I mean, I don't think it's working, but they're like, but you can get this CRISPR technology. Yeah, so CRISPR technology basically consists of three parts. So one is a protein, and it has the ability to cut and paste DNA pretty much, mostly cut. Um, the second piece is an RNA, and that RNA basically is an address to somewhere in your genome that you know you want to get to, and it just tells the protein where to go. And then the third piece is another piece of DNA that basically has your the correct sequence you want, right? So if you were editing your document, you know, you copy the sentence you actually want, you find where you made the mistake and then you paste over it. So between those three parts, if you can get it into the nucleus of a cell, then you can basically change out a piece of the DNA. And so it f fixes or rewrites or overwrites something in the DNA. Yeah, so these idiots have been getting these kits at home and then they're trying to like fix their own DNA, but they're not like scientists. There's like people like, cool. Kids, like, people at home with cancer? Or, like, no, no, I think, it's like, I think it's, like, for weird things, too. Like, they're just, I, I wish I was a little bit, I wish I paid a little bit more attention to it. Uh, but I just saw, like, you can get CRISPR kits, and then, like, this guy's in his garage going, like, I'm changing me. <laughs> like, you know, like, so, yeah. I'm customizing yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, fun. Yeah, well, so CRISPR is definitely a great, exciting technology for one half of the gene therapy Problems. So in gene therapy, there are two problems. One is you need to be able to actually target a piece of DNA, change it to what you want. And that's what CRISPR-Cas9 allows you to do. The other part that a lot of research has gone into, but we're still you know, working on, is actually getting those components into your cell because it doesn't do any good if it's nowhere near the DNA it's supposed to fix. And that problem is not not very well solved. So, so it's basically have... like getting like buying a Roomba but leaving it in your car. <laughs> like I want to clean my house, but hey, yeah, but it's like it's just it's closed. It's just not there. It's not in the thing. Yeah, I mean, actually, it's even more complicated than that because you're. <laughs> no, really, I think uh, not. Yeah. No, yeah. I think it's really. I think it's exactly. Yeah, I the think same that's way. what you're describing. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> So, the cells in your body, I mean, they, they don't want random things to go into them, and that's usually a very good thing for you, because you don't want random things getting yeah. into your cells. And so, getting something into your cells is actually a huge challenge. Has anyone ever gone up to a cell and been like, kiss me? It's <laughs> <laughs> a huge problem. <laughs> Probably, but it, I don't think it worked. <laughs> it work with a lot of crazy yeah, it work, people. It may, it may work. It may, uh... Hey, you know, I talk to my cells. I sometimes <laughs> sing to them, try to make them happy. You know? I'm sure that helps. That's got to help. Yeah, I mean, you know, if, you, if you're really nice to your cells, you feed them only highest quality media. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes they don't die on you. Right. Okay. Be nice to your cells, guys. Look Be in nice the mirror. Yeah. Um, okay, so... There was another, what was it, synthetic biology, the idea that biology can be treated as a device or computer program. Yeah, so it's a not very new, but relatively new field in um, biology and bioengineering. And a lot of the times, you know, we view living organisms as this system that is so complicated that we can never figure it out, or we can only figure out a small part. And Sometimes that's true. When you're working with them, you're like, I just don't understand anything. Um, but the synthetic biology approach is that, yes, at some point, we, we can understand everything that's going on in these cells, and we are going to just treat them that way. We're going to say it is a program or it is a device, and we can build parts that interact with it, and we are going to see if we can add those parts, and it 
does what we want it to do. So for example, one of the cool things you can do is you can actually add very few genes to an organism, even to like a human cell, such that you can control it with a laser. So you have like it under a, cat, a microscope. Like a cat, like when you're like, go there, and the cat's like, where is, the, where is it? Exactly, uh, yeah. actually, like you, you shine the laser and it will, it will actually crawl towards that laser. Cells are so stupid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> stupid cells. I mean, you gave your son cat eyes. Yeah. <laughs> he looks so cool. <laughs> he's dumb, but he's cool. <laughs> but if someone makes fun of him for dumb, he hits him with that raptor tail. Yeah. And he shows him who's boss. <laughs> By the way, the girl in Jurassic Park Lost World. Raptor. <laughs> Wait, what? She's a raptor? She is she a raptor? raptor? Yeah. She's a raptor. Okay. This yeah. guy's nodding. He knows yeah, what's yeah. up. Yeah, She's a raptor. It shows you how many people saw that movie. But yeah, I was, like, <laughs> I was pretty bold. Yeah, thank you. Okay, yeah. Yeah, she's part raptor. Okay, okay. Yeah. Checks out. Yeah, checks out. Um, so, so, you're, so you're saying cells, like you're developing cells that are also like machines that follow lasers in your body? Is that what's going on here? Um, eventually, I think we do want them in our body for, for you know, applications in, in health and, and therapeutics, but uh, right now a lot of the experiments are, are in a Petri dish just because we're still building the technology to figure out how to get the cells to do exactly what we want. Um, some cool things that we are already able to do is to get them to form patterns, so you can get them to form, you know, like a bullseye pattern or stripes just by adding them to a dish and letting them grow. So you basically you can have like a fireworks display in your body of cells. They're like, whoa, hey, cool, they're doing this. <laughs> Doesn't cure anything, but it looks badass. <laughs> Make a face. Hey, good job. <laughs> Thanks a lot. I'm still sick as hell. <laughs> but, but you got a smiley face in there now. <laughs> that should make you feel better. Yeah, maybe a more practical application is um, yeah. <laughs> uh, adoptive T-cell therapy where, uh, you know, there, there's a treatment where they can take T-cells from your body um, and reprogram them to recognize the cancer that you have, and then they take those cells and they put them back in your body, and now they've basically developed the machinery in those cells to attack the cancer that you have. Right. And there's a lot of promise in the therapy, so it's, it's let me Let me ask you, since you've been doing this, what has been the most exciting development? Whether it's a door that's been opened or a, something that has been solved, what, like, since when you got into it and could understand it, to now, what has been the greatest accomplishment you've seen in your field? Um, actually, a lot of things. So CRISPR is definitely one of the things that came out during, during my time as a scientist. Another thing that has come out that is very interesting from a synthetic biology point of view is we've actually built now the first synthetic cell. And it's synthetic in that every single piece of DNA in that organism was synthesized. It was created from scratch in, in a laboratory, right? It, it was never made from another cell. And that was pieced together to make an organism that lives and divides. So that could eventually become a pris. Like from yeah, this, yeah very eventually. So this one is actually a microorganism and you know it's not really human, but they're Along definitely the, trying to work on yeah. um, more complicated um, organisms, maybe multicellular, maybe one day a human. Yeah. yeah. Okay. How far out are we before we have... Don't even worry about it. We'll be long dead. I just want to know, what's the first... What are you going to go for first? A goat? Uh, a duck? Yeah, I think technology-wise, we could probably make a cell with a human genome in it okay. um, if we tried really hard. Uh, there are obviously ethical kind of questions there that... Um, well, we don't care about that. Uh, <laughs> make whatever you want. What am I? So ignoring the ethical questions then, um, the next step that's a little bit difficult for multicellular organisms is, you know, we don't go from a single cell to a fully grown person without uh, your mother, right? Without a uterus, without some environment in which to grow. Yeah. And that we don't really have a synthetic mimic for, so we can probably make the Should initial cells, but it won't grow. bags that they had in the, the second Blade Runner. Just I, put them that's in exactly what I assumed that was. Up and this, yeah. <laughs> yeah, how hard is that? We already have, like, sandwich size and the one that's yeah. bigger than that. I got a two-gallon one at home, two I think. <laughs> <laughs> Just tape a few of those together. Oh, I feel yeah. like you got a home for a whatever, micro-organism. Uh, no, that's a great idea. I'm going to patent it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, <laughs> great. Uh, if, you, if you're hiring people, I'm available whenever you need. Um, there's also something I'm busy. you... you <laughs> you're busy? I'm busy. I can't make it down to the patent office. Ugh, I hate it over there. Okay, I mean, it might cure cancer, but I guess if you're busy... <laughs> don't have the time, bro. I don't have the time. Can All I do right. it over an app? I'm not going to ask you Can I task rabbit it? <laughs> yeah, you can task rabbit it. Here's a great idea. Go get it patented, please. <laughs> uh, we, we talked very briefly about uh, kill switches, which were kind of similar to how the replicants in Blade Runner die after, whatever, four years. And so explain to me what that's about. Yeah, when I initially saw the movie, one of the thoughts I had was like, oh, yeah, that was uh, very clever of the scientists and or the corporation to incorporate that because, um, like I mentioned, with something like the T-cell therapy where we're putting cells that have been outside the body and manipulated with back into a human, there's always a chance that they will go rogue, they become cancerous themselves or start attacking other parts of your body that they weren't designed to attack. And that's kind of what happens to the replicants in the movie. And so one of the... Do you think that this whole movie could take place in a human body and these are just human embodiments of cells? Like, Decker is a cell, Rucker Hauer is a cell. That would actually be awesome, actually. Because then the replicants are like... Right, you just pull out, like, at the end, like, blah, 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 and it's a guy just, like, eating breakfast, like... Oh my God! It's Ridley Scott. I would love that. All right, Riding no conspiracy under the theories. <laughs> um, yeah, but with like the T cell therapy, um, one of the things that uh, biologists and scientists are building into them is not only the ability to recognize and kill certain cancers or diseases, but also. Um, basically pathways that you can turn on or turn off at will so that if the patient isn't also receiving another drug or molecule, that these cells would die. So then if you think there's a problem, you stop putting these patients on the extra molecule and then the the cells basically will die themselves. Um, And you can also imagine trying to program in something where it says after 30 divisions, that's it, no more. Let me ask you one question. You're doing all this great work uh, and helping people do great work, you know, as everyone's collaborating. Is there anything dumb? Are there dumb applications we can do to this? Like, if you're like, I want blonde hair, can you, like, get one of those cells to give you, like, blonde hair or something like that? Probably. I'm not sure that's like necessarily a dumb like, thing to do, you know? It's people kind aren't of like, a cool people problem, are like, I don't I hate dyeing my hair. I wish I could just, like, inject me with some of this crisper stuff and get some blonde hair or something like that. Um, or people aren't yeah. doing that. I don't think anybody is doing it per se because it, it would be very difficult yeah. um, because you have to affect all the hair cells and then the production of the colors and we don't necessarily understand all of that and it's honestly going to be much cheaper just to dye your hair. Right, sure. <laughs> and in Whatever, certain, maybe the person doesn't have enough time to do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but in, in certain other <laughs> applications, you know, Eye color is another thing I get asked about a lot. Um, and from a genetics point of view, eye color is pretty interesting because it's, it's not one gene. It's not like your eyes produce a colored pigment and that's what makes it that color. It only produces one pigment. And the reason you get blue or green eyes is actually because of the shape of the parts in your eye and how it diffracts and refracts light. So you would have to control the actual contours inside your eye. And so it becomes actually a very complicated problem. And, you know, there's color contacts. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, I guess, again, unless you're too busy to go get them. (laughs) Um, I was just going to ask what organs have been uh, cultivated, because I know there are people walking around with uh, fake-made organs. So do you know which have been made and which are too difficult? Because I hear like the heart and the brain are the most difficult. We, we don't have that down yet, but some other ones have. Um, I don't know too much about it. In terms of you know, synthetic organs, I know there's definitely work on synthetic skin. And you would think that's a relatively easy thing. You know, you look at your skin, but it has so many layers and it has to be in a particular order that it's actually a very difficult thing to create, but we can do a little bit of that in in culture already, and I know that they're they're making some, uh, you know, 
So mimic like for that for guy like victims. in Silence of the Lambs, he wouldn't have to go like kill those people. He could just like grow an organic skin suit. Yeah, which he's which supposedly is like, very smart. So yeah. I don't know why he couldn't just do that. Well, then we could all get them, you know, and whatever. Yeah, yeah just not as it. cool. Yeah, 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 not as fresh, probably. <laughs> um, okay, so at this point, uh, we would normally end the show because we would be. Sitting- it puts the lotion in the crisper. <laughs> At this point, we would normally end the show because we'd be the three of us sitting in a room, but because all of you are here, I'd figure we open it up to some questions. So if you have a question, just raise your hand and I'll call on you. And so this... Maybe you should run the mic out to them, too. It does. I'll run it out. I don't mind. What do you think of the new Blade Runner? Ooh, good question. Kathy, what do you think of the new Blade Runner? 2049. I think it has some interesting science in there. I think... Uh... The idea that these replicants can now actually reproduce on their own is pretty cool because that's usually part of the definition of becoming a species, right? You, you must be able to actually reproduce independently. Um, and then the other kind of part of that is something is considered usually the same species if you can crossbreed them and they have viable children. So the question in that movie would be, is the girl in the movie, can she have children? And if so, that means the replicants, basically, they are human. So I don't know if that's what the the directors were going for, but... Boom. Mind blown. Um, I don't have an answer as good as that. I would say that as I felt with the first movie, it is long. It goes on for a while. And you have to, like, buckle up and then you're like, whoa, this is long. And then you like go check back in and go, oh, even longer than I thought. And, Still then, and then it ends. And then you're like, that was a long movie. And, <laughs> and stuff happened. And I'm trying to take it all in. And I think it's a movie that actually grows on you. I, yeah, he said, that's exactly. So my dad came out tonight. So uh, thank you. Uh, and so uh, it is, it's long. And then, but then I think what I've, realizes it's actually a great companion piece. It's actually very similar to the first one, and I think there's a lot of nostalgia attached to the first one, so it has like an elevated thing, but I think this movie is actually really good, and I rewatched it again yep. over the course of many nights where I wasn't trapped in a movie seat, and, uh, and I actually think it's, it's better than I originally thought. Yeah, I, I, I love the film. I thought it was really cool. I thought it looked gorgeous. Yeah. I thought like almost all the shots were unbelievable, yeah. but did you guys, if you had to pick one, do you prefer the old one or the new one? I think the first one is a more compact piece, and I think the second one continues the story. I don't know how fulfilling the second one is without the knowledge of the first one, in my opinion. Got you. Kath? I think I like the second one a little bit better because they go a little bit more into like how these replicants are made and what the possibilities behind them are. You could just say, because Ryan Gosling is hot, you don't need to... All this science. No, Jared Leto's eyes are cool. That's why the second (laughs) movie. That's why. (laughs) All right. Anybody have another one? Oh, right here. Um, My question is for Kathy. I was wondering, what's the most like frustratingly scientifically inaccurate movie you've seen or TV show? I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Kathy take this one. Kathy. Oh. um, (laughs) That's a really tough question to answer because. There are so many. <laughs> Maybe the better question is, what's one of the few that gets it right? Yeah, just change her question completely. Uh, <laughs> what do you think? Like everyone gets it wrong. So. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. Yeah, pretty much everybody gets it wrong. Um, so I think probably what frustrates me most in in movies that have scientists or science in them is the amazing speed at which you know things happen like any sort of csi detective cop thing where you go to so the scientist and they just give why you like blade runner the pace is right for you well the pace is amazing in blade runner i mean like <laughs> take the stairs again <laughs> i mean it didn't take five years it's great um but yeah so i think even when there are accurate representations of what the science can do, the the kind of speed at which it's done, you know, for entertainment value, it needs to kind of be fast. But I think it gives people kind of the wrong impression about, um, you know, what what is accomplishable, right? These things can be done, but it, it does take time. What if Kathy was like, the most realistic show, Big Bang Theory? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly how it is. 
Would you like a movie that's like set in a lab and it's just really slow people? Nobody just, will want to watch the terrible. Just terrible typing idea. and waiting and <laughs> yeah. Oh, this guy's got a question, but yes. I am scared to hear what it is. No, I like him. Bring that mic. I don't know over. if I should even go over there. All right, I'm trusting you right here, man. He's gonna have a good question. I know it. Uh, what do you think the success rate is for facial reconstruction? Do you think that this girl who just got her face, like this, this, this stranger's face put back on her face, what do you think the success rate is on that? This gentleman is asking, what do we think about face-off? Will it happen in our lifetime? Can we do it? Can we do a face-off? It's a technical way of saying it, but... <laughs> Um, I don't know. I think it depends a lot on the details. So I'm not sure if you're referring to um, kind of the science of reconstructing faces from kind of a, a skull or if you mean reconstruction of um, as in restorative cosmetic surgery. Can we take, okay, this I'm just repeating it for people at home listening. Can you take the face off a dead person and slap it on a live person? Face off like, two. Face off two. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, 100%, I'm right with you. I want my dead friend's I mean, face. Because we I... do have those organ donor cards, right? We have organ donor cards. Can you say, I'm donating my face? Yeah. Jerry Orbach donated his eyes. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. Honestly, I have no idea. <laughs> well, let, let me ask you this question um, about face-off. <laughs> <laughs> um, are we closer to a mission impossible technology where uh, you can print like a, a realistic mask, like a really realistic mask if you scan a face. Could you do something like that? That's not real hmm. skin. And can you do it tonight? <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't do it tonight, but... Um, She's busy. I oh, yeah. think probably the mission impossible style is a little bit more realistic because we're... And we have it. all sorts of, you know, 3D printers that yeah. can start printing all sorts of materials, including softer materials. Um, we have wonderful paints that can reproduce colors of the skin. The problem with a, a face transplant, I think, is, you know, your, your skin needs to be actually attached to the, the muscle and, and the fibers and the rest of the system underneath. Um, I know one of the problems with, you know, skin grafts for burns, for example, is that patch of skin doesn't exactly integrate well, and so it doesn't sweat. Um, and, you know, for normal day-to-day, -day, sweating seems like a problem, but without it, you are, you are miserable. And so oh. to transplant an entire face, even if you, you know, get over the, the donor and host issues yeah. and it, it stays in place, like that patch of skin is not going to be able to breathe or move like a normal face because it's not attached. Yeah, so and you nailed it. Kathy nailed it. So next time you're sweating a lot, say thank you instead of uh, sorry, I smell or whatever. Uh, I don't know who had their hand up first. I'm going to go this guy. Um, I guess my question is, what are your thoughts on de-extinction? On, on the extinction? The extinction? The extinction. The extinction. I think he's saying de-extinction. Oh, de-extinction. Yeah, and he also was guessing that that's his question. <laughs> Kathy, do you know what de-extinction means? No, I don't Me actually. Either. What's, what's de-extinction? I'm coming back. <laughs> oh, why, did like I, a, why did I leave? It, uh, it sounds like a great summer blockbuster. Uh, it is, coming soon. Uh, no, it's the idea that you can bring back like an old... Oh, Jurassic oh, Park. Okay, okay, yeah. Basically, yeah, can got Jurassic it. Park be a real thing? <laughs> got it. What's our theory on Jurassic Parking? That's what I like to call it. Yeah. Can um, we make these things move again? Yeah. Yeah, I think actually people are already trying to do this. Um, I think the mammoth is on the slate as the first animal that people want to bring back. In my opinion, that's less interesting because... We know that these animals existed. We know that they can live. We know that if we get most of it right, it, it will be what it is. And it could be very valuable in that, you know, it gives us a clue as to what they actually look like. And we probably can't be tell delicious. Fossils. Yeah. I mean, Maybe it would be delicious. That's the most important thing. Yeah, we got to eat those mammoth burgers. But I think a more interesting question is, you know, not to bring back something that we know from the past, but to try and figure out how to build new things. So why not, you know try to make a dragon, try to make something that doesn't wow, exist. Wow, so you want to create, like, fictional creatures, <laughs> like unicorns and stuff like that. Yeah, why not? All right, hey, I'm into it. No, that sounds great. 
Um, so yeah, tune in to uh, Kathy's new uh, creatures that she'll be making in the next coming years, I assume. Yeah. <laughs> Mythical creatures created by slave labor. <laughs> yeah, robots. Dr. Kathy. <laughs> now we have a movie on our hands. <laughs> um, okay, I don't want to cut the questions short, but that is exactly what I'm doing. Do you guys have something you want to plug? Uh, something coming up? Uh, Paul, you had something? I'll be uh, performing at the Planetarium every Wednesday night at midnight. They may say the museum is closed. Don't listen to them. Get in any way possible. It's a great show. It's super cool. It, it, big people are there. It's a lot of fun. Great musical acts. Wow. Uh, yeah, so every Wednesday night at midnight, do whatever you can to get through those doors. The security guards are doing a bit. Do not listen to them. They're in on it. They're in on it. If they say no, it's closed, that means they know what's up. <laughs> yeah, they'll give you a little wink. Yeah. Um, I have uh, a new podcast that's kind of similar to this uh, where I talk about good movies, uh, but no science. Um, we uh, watch the AFI's top 100 films of all time. We're going through and kind of seeing if they're good or if I've ever seen them. I guess that's the biggest thing. Like, I realize I haven't seen a lot of these classic movies, like yeah. Taxi Driver or you know, uh, Swing Time or anything like that. I never saw Taxi Driver. I watched it once, but I didn't remember it. Um, and so there you go. That's, I mean, that's the truth. And then I have this movie coming out uh, soon called Slice uh, with Chance the Rapper, Zazie Beats, myself, Chris Parnell, and a few other people. So it's great. Really fun, yeah. Okay, check out Slice. Um, and for those of you who are interested in the proteins and what they are and what they can do, I'd like to put in a plug for PDB 101. So that's uh, Pittsburgh, Detroit, Boston 101. Um, it's this great website that has articles on one protein at a time every month. And it's a great kind of high-level explanation of what it does for you, how it works, what we know about it. So I would definitely have Is you guys check it out. Is it good for the layperson? Could I read it and get something out of it? Absolutely. All right. Say P it one more time. PDB? PDB 101. PDB101.com or .org or .edu? .org. .org. Okay. Check that out. Check out Slice. Guys, I'm really thankful that you came and uh, hopefully enjoyed the show. Yeah, thank you so much. And if you're, if you're on that awkward date... It's almost over. Bad Science is hosted and produced by me, Ethan Edinburgh. Our associate producer is Megan Bates, and the replicant producer is Brett Kushner. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Bad Science Show and send us an email if you'd like at badscienceatseeker.com. That's badscienceatseeker.com. Let us know what other movies you'd like us to do, any thoughts you have on the podcast. An email is always welcome. I'd also like to thank the California Academy of Sciences. We had a great time over there. You guys were amazing hosts, and everybody that came out to the show. Seeker, of course, for putting it all together, and we will see you next week. Bye.